When we talk about the economy, we can think in big terms like the GNP and stock market exchanges, or we can think about where the people actually are, on main streets in our towns and cities. This Economic Development Week, we are bringing on two small businesses that have had big impacts. We're talking to Lori Fazio, President and COO of the nationally renowned RJ Julia Bookstore, and Joel Camisar of Chapman Manufacturing to discuss what it means to be a Connecticut business. We'd like to thank our sponsors at Gateway Community College and Housatonic Community College. The Municipal Voices of the Connecticut Conference of Municipalities podcast in collaboration with WNHH LP 103.5 FM. I'm your host, Matt Ford. As always, be sure to give us a like and let us know what you're thinking in the comments. CCM's Municipal Voice podcast continues to present a key forum on important state local issues. The views expressed do not necessarily reflect the consensus views of CCM or member municipal leaders. Lori, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. It's great to have you. RJ Julia's is perhaps one of the most renowned and reputable local bookstores in the state. And although it feels like it's been a constant resource, it's a fairly young business. Um, for those that don't know about RJ Julia, can tell us a little bit about how the bookstore got started, the founders, and why they chose Madison. Sure, sure. So Roxanne Cody is um, the sole owner here, and she has been since the beginning. Uh, we just celebrated our 33rd birthday, which mm -hmm. was, you know, is very exciting. Uh, and so this was her second career. Um, mm -hmm. Roxanne was in um, the tax world for a very, very long time and yeah. always loved books, grew up with books, wanted to um, open a bookstore. And mm -hmm. so she decided to make a change. And they moved out of the city and up to Connecticut. Yeah. Um, why she chose Madison is because it's it's kind of the middle of the shoreline when you think mm -hmm. about the shoreline. Um, and you know when she did like a you know a diameter, even though half of that is in the water, mm -hmm. um, the other half of it really reached um, a good part of of mm -hmm. the state. Um, without being necessarily right in New Haven or right in Hartford, mm -hmm. where you know we could be accessible to other, yeah. you know, other people, and um, and they could easily get to us. So yeah, but where where you guys are, you know, being pretty much right on Route One, there kind of it's Main yes. Street in Madison, but it's also Route One, so people could just kind of naturally are kind of flowing through there. Right, and and Madison yeah. is a um, you know, it's a, a smaller downtown than some of mm -hmm. the you know the nearby um, towns, but. You know, people come through here all the time. We've got great beaches and ham and acid is right down the street. And so it's a it's a very well traveled, our route yeah, one. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and obviously at CCM, we're interested in towns and, and local communities. And it says on your website that supporting your store is supporting a place that has contributed to the civic and creative life of the community for almost 30 years. Um, right. Can you expand a little bit on why that's important to you and, and the business? Yeah, well, you know, asking people to shop local, you know, you need to walk yeah. the walk, right? And it's mm -hmm. important for us to have the support of our our neighbors um, as well as the the community. And so we, you know, we feel that doing events with people on, um, you know, different organizations might have mm -hmm. different needs. We do a lot of, um, you know, we hire your your daughter, your son, your neighbor, you know, so, you know, we're employed by the people that live in in the area. Mm -hmm. And the schools, and we work with the schools, and we bring authors to schools and other nonprofits that you know we can we can donate to, and the fundraisers, and you know your Girl yeah. Scout troop wants to have a cookie sale out front, you know. So so we feel that it's really important to be accessible um, mm -hmm. to not only the people that live here, but the people that want to support here and want to keep 
local downtowns vibrant and um you know filled with businesses yeah and one thing that's kind of interesting about your particular business you know been 33 years Ed, in your in the book industry but a lot of that time has been concurrent with you know another big player out there that you know amazon that has a lot of local bookstores for especially at the start were freaking out like it's the end of the bookstore as we know it so yeah. what's it like to be an independent bookseller in 2023 and you know what makes you stand out how have you survived and thrived yeah so so they are a competitor for sure yeah. um and so the way that that i i look at it often is you know we don't need 100% of the sales out there in the world mm-hmm. we we need enough of the sales to keep us in business right yeah. i mean and that that's a, a way that that i've looked at sales you know through my entire you know career you know even before rj julia's um mm-hmm. and so you know what is it like for us well we're the ones that hear the stomping of the stairs at the end of the day when the kids are running up the stairs to come mm-hmm. you know to the kids room we're the ones that you know get the letters when someone walks in and or they've been in and they say you know I wanted to send you a letter because, you know, I lost my spouse and, you know, my first outing was to the bookstore and I mm-hmm. knew I could feel safe and welcome and warm there. Um, you know, so these are the thrilling things that we that we go through every day. We really yeah. we make a difference and we get to see that. Um, and so, yeah, we might be a couple dollars more because our um, our program is not to you know sell books at a loss intentionally, which. Yeah. Um, someone else does, you know, <laughs> ours is to curate the books, find the right book. When you come in and you say, I have no idea what to read next. And I just read this book that I loved. Mm-hmm. You know, we could say to you, okay, well, what did you love about it? Oh, here are three choices that we know that you're going to love as well, because mm-hmm. we've read them. We're the experts. We, you know, we're not just, you know, an algorithm that's going to, mm-hmm. you know, put something in your hands for not a good reason. Um, yeah. so, so yeah, I mean, we, we love it and we get to, like I said, we get to see people every day and we get to bring authors, not only to the schools, but in the, into the mm-hmm. store. And we get to watch the joy of someone meeting their favorite author or discovering yeah. a new yeah. author, you know, that they hadn't heard of, but they decided to come to an event. And so there's a lot of great reasons, um, yeah. that we, that we like doing what we're doing. Could you talk a little bit more about some of those events that you do? Like, what are some of your favorites? What's some of the coolest stuff you've had? Like who's who's shown up in, in Madison to, to do Oh, geez. So we've had so many. Um, you know, we recently did an event with with Angie Thomas. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm just going to start really, really local and really recent. So Angie Thomas wrote um, the book, The Hate You Give, which went on to be a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and she just wrote her very first uh, middle grade book, which you know, people were, are thrilled about because, you know, her other books are young adult and they're mm-hmm. not really, um, you know, accessible to that young, you know, 12, you know, 11 or 12 year old, but mm-hmm. this one is, and it's fantasy. And so, so she was such a joy to meet and she came out and we also brought her to a school and she rapped oh, very cool. and to hear like the kids like screaming in the audience was so much fun. Um, but we've had, you know, we have chefs and we've had, um, you know, like Jacques Pepin, you know, lives in town and he comes every time he has a book and, you know, he signs for us. And we've had, um, you know, Buddy Velaster from the Cake Boss and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Martha Stewart came and we had Barbara Walters and yeah. Neil Gaiman, you know, was mm-hmm. had, had a line. He signed for four hours straight and then oh, cool. at the end plunged his hand into a bucket of ice um, from signing. He didn't take one break. 
we've had wow. athletes. We had Mariana Rivera. He he was so sweet. I mean, I loved, you know, having him here and Jorge mm -hmm. Posada and we had Kurt Schilling. I mean, so, you know, the, the list goes on. We had Adina Menzel come in December mm -hmm. with her sister, you know, and so there's there's so many great authors, but but these are the authors that have, you know, the named authors that people will have mm -hmm. heard of. We also have hosted debut authors, and we were the first event for some of these, these authors yeah. that go on to become, you know, really big authors in the literary world. So, mm -hmm. you know, we really run the gamut. You know, we, you know, we, we bring in authors of all, you know, likes for all different yeah. kind of readers and you know, whatever you want to read, we're going to bring you something. So there's always something on our schedule that should be appealing to a variety of people. Yeah. And is that kind of variety of of people for events kind of reflective of the variety of what people are reading? Like in terms of your local business at RJ Julia, what, what sells there? What, what are customers coming in for in Madison? Yeah. They're, they're, they're reading everything, you know, we, and we pay very close attention to are the different sections that we have. And so, for example, we recently expanded the romance section. Mm -hmm. So romance over the last year or so has just boomed and, you know, the, it's actually turned your non-reader into a reader, mm -hmm. you know, with, and, and I'm not suggesting that they're like Hallmark movies, but the Hallmark Christmas movies, right. Yeah. Have also become a thing. So has um, romance books. And then we recently also expanded, <laughs> go the other direction. We expanded our, we put in a horror section. Mm -hmm. So, you know, cause people love that. And so we've yeah. got its own, its own section now. And those kind of sections kind of, you know, expand and shrink over the years, depending on what we're what we're seeing as trends and what people mm -hmm. are looking for has a lot to do with what's going on in the world. You know, horror, yeah. romance, I, you know, I don't know, take that any way you like. Um, but, you know, so that so they're buying everything, though. Mm -hmm. You know, we've got a lot of nonfiction readers um, in here, but also our fiction readers and um, gardening, you know, mm -hmm. at certain times of the year explodes. Cookbooks is always popular. In yeah. our kids section, forget it. That's always, you know, we always have a zillion different kinds of books in, in kids because kids are all, you know, growing up. And, you know, if you want to read about sports or you want to read about, you know, the tooth fairy, you yeah. know, we, we've, we've got those things. So, so yeah, our events do mirror that um, to mm -hmm. some degree. And we also sometimes will bring in an author, you know, that we think, you know, might appeal to people that they hadn't heard of before or maybe they haven't taken a chance on reading that genre before mm -hmm. um but we always book an event you know we feel that it's got a purpose you know to be here yeah it's very cool and thinking about you know all the different sections and how you said like the romance is kind of big right now and mm -hmm. i know uh, my mother actually is a, a librarian a children's librarian for many years and you know she always said, you know, let the kids read what they want. You know, if they want to read Goosebumps books or whatever, you know, if they think that's fun, it doesn't have to be serious or, or you know, exactly. great literature. If they're reading and enjoying it, that's the that's the important part. And that's they right. may then go on to read the other stuff or explore right. new things. But like, yeah, it, it's I agree with that 100 percent. Yeah, yeah we, we get it. We do get parents in here sometimes and they'll say, oh, all they want to do is read a graphic novel you know, that that's yeah. not a book. And I said, yeah, it is a book. And graphic novels also over the last probably five to 10 years mm -hmm. has, has exploded. Um, and so if that if they're reading, they're reading, they're they're gaining, um, you know, words, their vocabulary, their understanding, their comprehension. I mean, it's it's on the concept of, of putting a story together, you know, mm -hmm. so those graphic novels are actually more important than people um, think they are. 
you know, yeah. because they really, the, the kids actually kind of have to think more than they do in reading mm -hmm. a regular, I shouldn't say regular, because that puts the stigmatism on it, but, but reading a, a traditional book. Yeah. Um, so I think it's all important. You know, if you're reading, you're, you're doing what you should be doing. You mentioned some of the, the authors that you've had in, and some of them are local. Do you, as a local kind of business, feel a little bit of an obligation to make sure you have like local authors on the shelves and, and topics that are relevant to the community and to the, the area? Yeah, so that's that's a bit of a loaded question because, mm -hmm. you know, it's hard for us to be able to carry every single title that every single person has has um, mm -hmm. published. Right. And yeah. there, you know, everybody, everybody has a book. in them. It doesn't mean that everyone, you know, should be reading that book or, you know, or even wants to read that book to put it, mm -hmm. you know, candidly um but so what we try to do and we're actually bringing back a program um that's called our local and independent author program mm -hmm. and that allows us to um do an event with you know maybe two or three like genre um mm -hmm. authors and have them come in do an event with us and they bring you know they'll promote it to their friends and family and and readers and we'll promote it to ours and then they can present to this crowd and maybe, mm -hmm. you know, the person that you bought, you know, you brought in will buy my book and maybe mm -hmm. the person that I brought in will buy your book. And so yeah. it cross promotes their books and it allows us to support them um, without necessarily saying, OK, well, we'll carry, you know, one of your books because one book isn't isn't really going to do anything for them. But this will give them more exposure. So yeah. we're working on bringing that back. And that's actually going to be done more through our um, the Wesley and RJ Julia bookstore. Um, yeah. And, you know, it should be well received, you know, yeah. because before the pandemic, it was doing quite well, but we had to put it on hiatus, A, for the pandemic, and then B, for staffing purposes. We just, we couldn't, you know, support it, but, but it's coming back. Yeah, that's really cool. It's almost like uh, the equivalent music of the uh, open mic night or the, the local sure. act night where, you know, support the community right. and whatever without necessarily everyone wanting to... Right. So we book. will we will schedule them. So yeah. so it's not necessarily like I don't want but everybody open, to show yeah, up. Open, <laughs> but 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 local local night. But yeah, it is cool. similar to that. You're right. You know, when it it, it across audiences, hopefully. Yeah. So you you mentioned this a little bit, but um, you are expanding your footprint from uh, Madison into Middletown as uh, the Wesleyan R.J. Julia Campus Bookstore. Right. Um, how did that come about, and why a campus bookstore? Well, so we're, we're actually on Main Street, um, mm -hmm. and so we have our Main Street store, and then there is also a campus store um, that okay. focuses more on license, and but we're, we're you know, going to ex be expanding some books up there. Mm -hmm. But so we've been working with the university um, for, for many, many years, and talking about it, and um, talking with the town of Middletown um, as they were trying to, you know, revitalize Main Street mm -hmm. and... Um, you know, I remember growing up and going to Main Street there, shopping with my parents, and there was lots of retail there. Mm -hmm. So, so bringing a, a bookstore in was something that everybody was on board with. Um, and Michael Roth, the president of uh, Wesleyan, worked with us, and you know, reached out to Roxanne, and then you know, Roxanne and I worked with a, a team up at the university to put this together. And it actually came once we started you know, narrowing it down, it, we, we got it pulled together rather quickly mm -hmm. and then built rather quickly. Um, and it's something it's new for us yeah. for sure. I mean, we were not usually in the market of, um, 
you know, bringing in textbooks to the mm -hmm. R.J. Julian Madison or buying licensed and, you know, these sweatshirts and things mm -hmm. like that. I mean, we have sidelines and non-book and all kinds of fun gifts, mm -hmm. but this was a whole, whole different world. So, you know, I, I, I reached outside and did a lot of interviewing to people mm -hmm. that, you know, were, you know, very well versed in those topics and in those positions. And, we put together this, this wonderful team. And so we now support the university as well mm -hmm. as we're also a community bookstore. Yeah. Um, and so it's great. You know, you can walk in and you can see the, the Wesleyan RJ Julia gear, but then you can also go back to the kids room or go into fiction or mystery and, and you know, and, and talk to our experienced booksellers mm -hmm. and it, it's fun. It is a very different vibe than the yeah. Madison yeah. store, but in a, but in a relative way, I mean, there are some things that we tried to carry over that, you know, there's some consistency that you feel um, that you're in an RJ Julia store mm -hmm. um, with the spin of having the university. Be, and so yeah, it's been almost fun. on campus more or less. Pretty, pretty yeah, cool it's too. it's a lot of fun, and you know, it, and it's it's great to see the pride of mm -hmm. the you know the faculty and staff of of the university and the students, of course, and their families, mm -hmm. um, as well as now the town, you know, feels. I mean, not that they weren't proud of Wesleyan before, but now mm -hmm. you know maybe they're going to come in and buy that Wesleyan T-shirt. Yeah, you know, and be like, I live in Middletown, where this great university is, and mm -hmm. so we're hoping to you know to to expand that out a little bit. Um, and then the cat, we've got a cafe up there too. And, cool. you know, they serve the students. So lunchtime when the students come down, it's, you know, really, you know, busy and mm -hmm. it's fun. It's a, it's a, it's a fun store. Definitely. And is that unusual, uh, for universities in this area to have independent books or most on, yes. are most textbook stores kind of run by large companies sort of thing? Yes. Yep. Yep. We are on um, there. There are a few out there that are independent mm -hmm. and um, you know, there's actually a, a, a group that we joined so that we mm -hmm. could, you know, talk about things and learn, you know, what, what's successful in other independent bookstores that are campus stores, but, but it is the, not the norm, yeah. you know, it's definitely, you know, we're unique um, particularly in Connecticut, yeah. um, but even across the country. And I think I remember that memory, like Barnes and Noble running the campus textbook store. One of, one of those larger companies was right. Barnes and Noble runs the Yale bookstore. Mm -hmm. Yep, and they run a lot of them ac across um, the country. So, um, but this, you know, we feel others should do it our way. I mean, yeah. it's it's a challenge and it takes mm -hmm. a lot. Um, but you know, we're always up to the challenge. Try something new and see what happens. Well, speaking of being up to the challenge and trying new things, um, how do you feel about the future of the book selling business in general and in Connecticut? Uh, I feel great about it. I think that, um, like I said before, the the unique things that we bring to mm -hmm. um, our communities and our customers, that's not going to go away. Um, mm -hmm. There are people, you know, there was after the other thread that we talked about, you know, then there was the thread of the e-readers yeah, and oh, the, no the one's going to have whatever is the, yeah, gonna... no one's going to put a print book in their hand ever again. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that plateaued. And, and what we found was that yeah, people, people use them, but they use them more for a specific purpose. Mm -hmm. So when they're traveling or if they're commuting and things like that, but when they're home in their house or if they're on the beach or you know, they want a real book in their hands and maybe not mm -hmm. everybody, but the majority. So print books um, are not going to go away. Yeah. They're, they're definitely, you know, here to stay and people like them on their bookshelves. And mm -hmm. what fun is it to have one single e-reader on your bookshelf 
you know, and, and not a, you know, a, a pile of books there that you can curate and go back to and mark your favorite pages yeah. and, you know, they're worn. So I feel really good about it. And yeah. I, you know, but I'm also, you know, we're a little spoiled because we are um, really supported, as I mentioned, by mm -hmm. our community and, and it's not by accident, but, but we do, you know, feel blessed in that matter. And we are very thankful for that. Mm -hmm. um, and so we're always, you know, keeping the bar high. Um, we never take for granted, you know, every morning when we start our day, we never take for granted that we're going to have some, you know, customers that we see regularly and some customers that we've never seen before. And it might be mm -hmm. their first time here. So that that's always how we greet each day. Mm -hmm. And, you know, our staff is very, you know, finely chosen and yeah. they've, they've got to be ready to give the best customer service and do what's best for our customer you know, go to the ends of the earth to to make it work for them. So I feel really good. And Connecticut, you know, we're also, you know, well mm -hmm. supported by our, you know, the government here. And, mm -hmm. you know, they, they do a lot for the small businesses and the Chamber of Commerce, you know, Madison Chamber of Commerce is small, but they do a lot yeah. of, you know, small things. But then the Middlesex Chamber of Commerce, I mean, they're amazing. Yeah. You know, so we were truly supported on many levels. Yeah, the importance of, of the community and the local area to a small business is, can't be overestimated. Right. Well, right. Lori Fazio of RJ Julia, thank you so much for speaking with us today. We really appreciate it. Yeah, well, it's my pleasure. Thank you. I really appreciate you taking time out to, to bring our, our name to some that maybe haven't heard of us. So thank you so much. Coming up next, we'll be speaking to Joel Kamisar of Chapman Manufacturing in Durham. You are listening to the Municipal Voice on WNHH 103.5 FM. Joel, thanks for joining us today. So happy to be here. Chapman Manufacturing was founded around 80 years ago in Durham, Connecticut, uh, around the same time as a lot of other tool manufacturers, uh, some of which are long gone now and others have become big name brands. How has your company survived through eight decades, but still kind of remained a locally owned business? Well, you know, it's funny, we joke around here that any business um, started in 1936 at, during the height of the Great Depression. Um, if you can, if it can survive that, then it can survive just about anything else. Um, so we've managed to stay in business really because of the absolute um, dogged um, commitment to quality. Mm -hmm. um, you know, back in the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, even into the 70s, you know, we always made really high quality tools, but that was before the import tool market um, really was available. Mm -hmm. Um, so we competed with other manufacturers, um, with other American manufacturers, excuse me. Mm -hmm. Then in the late 70s, 80s, 90s to now, we're competing with a lot of import mm -hmm. um, tools from China, Taiwan, you know, Malaysia, wherever. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, obviously we cannot compete on price with them, but again, yeah. um, we definitely compete on quality yeah. and durability. Very cool. So it's so, not like you, you came up with some some new kind of high standard for quality. It's more like you maintain the the quality standards that a lot of people used to have for tool making. Exactly. Yeah. You, you yeah. stayed true to the original thing and didn't go with cheaper methods or ship it overseas to to save some money. Exactly. You know, it kind of the the uh, ain't broke uh, if it ain't broke colloquialism. Yeah. Um, and you know that's a good point. A lot of companies, even U.S. companies brought production overseas and are now reshoring, mm -hmm. uh, which is what they call when they bring production back to the U.S. We never left. 
Yeah. We've been in the same building since 1965. Mm -hmm. um, and some of the same equipment is still here since 1965. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we've upgraded a lot over the years, obviously, as you know, new, new tooling and technology mm -hmm. has, has come out. But yeah, we're still making essentially the exact same thing in a similar fashion from the same material. So another thing of note is that you are uh, a woman-owned business. Yes. And you're committed to green manufacturing. Uh, your factory is a certified wildlife habitat. I think, you know, kind of importantly, all your tools are made right here in Connecticut. Why are these things important to you as a business? They're important to us as a business because the business is located in the community that we live in. Mm -hmm. The owner, uh, Tracy, lives in Durham. I live in Madison. Um, most of the people of, that work here live very locally. Mm -hmm. And we all feel that this is our home. Yeah. Um, this is where we live and work. So it is in our best interest to take care of it. You mm -hmm. know, the manufacturing in the Northeast, especially in Connecticut, especially in Durham, mm -hmm. um, you know, in the 50s and 60s, did a lot of not so great things. And now now um, there's brownfield sites that people are worried about where there was factories putting you know, right. chemicals and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, exactly. And, and there was a major fire, chemical fire in Durham. Mm -hmm. 20 years ago of a manufacturing facility. So it kind of has a bad rap. So, you know, it's part of that, you know, it's our, it's our community. And, uh, you know, I feel that, you know, it's in the long term, everyone's best interest to, you know, keep a really nice place to work that isn't going to be a problem in the future. Mm -hmm. So um, that's why, you know, we're National Wildlife NWF Habitat. We have multiple mm -hmm. pollinator gardens. Yeah, how does that, how does that work? What do you do to actually get that certification? So you you can do it online. You have mm -hmm. to have there's a lot of qualifications. Um, like you have to have native um, species planted. You have mm -hmm. to have trees. You have to have um, availability of running water, um, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, all of which we have. We have about two acres of land that the shop sits on. So okay. if someone hears manufacturing and they think some big industrial factory complex with smoke pouring, that's that's not at all. You yeah, got trees that, and, <laughs> and plants and yeah, we got yeah. plants and we got a, a picnic table in the garden where people take their lunch outside when it's yeah. nice. You know, and we always every year um, we try to we have a green initiative. Mm -hmm. So um, for this year, I purchased a cardboard um, shredding machine. Mm -hmm. So it takes the excess cardboard that um packages they know that that coming in the shop um mm -hmm. ex excess cardboard boxes that we have and turns it into packing material so if you place an order with us you'll probably get some kind of like stretchy cardboard stuff that's actually just a recycled box mm -hmm. so the purchase of that machine was kind of our green initiative for 2023. so there's a good chance that we wouldn't be talking to you at all today if the quality of your tools wasn't as high as it is. Can you talk to us a little bit about all the kind of stuff you offer from, you know, typewriter and bicycle kits to the MIDI master and deluxe wooden cases? You know, you kind of have a, a interesting range of products. Sure. So our niche um, across our product line is um, people that have to work on delicate equipment and tight spaces. Mm -hmm. um, so that is you know is everything from industrial and robotics mm -hmm. uses to aerospace to newer technologies like um, electronics drones pc boards um, medical equipment mm -hmm. a lot of people use our stuff for mri machine maintenance and servicing 
Um, so we offer a bunch of different tools to, to, um, for different uses and industries. Mm -hmm. Some are more specific, like the typewriter set is really only useful for typewriters, mm -hmm. but then our bigger kits, like our master kits, um, cover a large range of things, mm -hmm. uh, huge range of uses. In fact, almost every week we get an email or a phone call for someone that uses it on something that um, is new for us. Like we just, someone just wrote in to the user tools to restore antique pinball machines. Oh, it's cool. Um, yeah. So the uses are, are very wide. And I know for a fact um, they've been, I don't know if there's ever been a Chapman kit in space. I know they use NASA uses them. Hmm. And I know also there are several Chapman kits on the bottom of the Atlantic ocean and the Red Sea because they were dropped off of ships and once a helicopter <laughs> in the Pacific. <laughs> so um, we're down there, someone's tool to just waiting to get be retrieved. Yeah, exactly. So because it's a screwdriver, you know, I mean, there's a lot of crossover, but you know, we really sell to a range of different um, uses. Um, and if you have a unique use, please please let us know because we love to know where our kids end up. That's really cool. So is that kind of one of the ways that you've survived not becoming a huge manufacturer is you as a smaller one have the ability to make specialized sets for, you know, niche markets that don't need millions and millions of these, but the people that do need them need that special set. Exactly. And in fact, I do all kinds of custom sets. Mm -hmm. um, you know, people will call me um, like there's a big medical supplier that's like, okay, we use these um 20 fasteners on our machines mm -hmm. we just need a kit with 20 bits with these specific 20 bits and our name on it yeah and so then you know we we supply that and then i do all kinds of branded work like a lot of people like to give our kits away as um employee or customer gifts it's like christmas you get the company logo on the, that's really cool exactly so i'll do sometimes they want a general set sometimes they want something very specific or they want a specific color or um logo or bits so you know i work with them um and that that has helped a lot you know that's yeah. a niche thing that i can do that you know you can't get at home depot yeah do you like recreate any kind of historical tools for people you know something that they they had that broke that you can't get anymore is that something that that comes up so the thing the cool thing about chabin tools is if you bought a chabin kit in 1936 and you bought one today all those tools would still be interchangeable that's cool everything still works together. Um, and there are, there have been slight changes over the years, but nothing um, that would prevent it from fitting. So people have literally kits they bought in the fifties, sixties, and they call up and we sell open stock and they order what tools they, they need. They just need the, the one bit that they broke or something and, and they boom, they're, they're good lost, to go. Whatever dropped in the ocean and we sell it to them, take their $2 <laughs> and, and, and they're happy. So in addition to you know, the, the home people there, you're also a uh, military supplier. Yes. Um, and one assumes that the quality of your tools have to be kind of kind of rugged in order to survive in all the environments that yes. the military demands. Is that relationship and the proximity to this, you know, is the sub-base part of that? Or, you know, do all parts of the military use your stuff? Um, we sell to every branch of the military and mm -hmm. have for a very long time. Um, in fact, we actually have a purchase order from 1953 for seven kits for the Nautilus sub. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, and actually we still make that same kit number. <laughs> so yeah, we've been selling to the military since at least 1953. Actually, 
um, before that, the office, we have a kit that someone mailed in actually from mm -hmm. Seattle. They found it in the woods and there's a label on it with a price ceiling set by the OPA, which is okay. the Office of Price Administration. They set price ceilings on necessary items to the war effort, mm -hmm. World War II to prevent price gouging. Yeah. And ours was one of them. That's and really cool. Both the, um, the Nautilus sub PO and the kit with the OPA sticker, we did not know about. Someone found it. Oh, that's really cool. So yeah. like you'd lost the records on that particular kit. That, no, that, no that, been, that, that was yeah. a custom order maybe even or right so so a lot of things we've learned from from customers that was two examples um so yeah so we've been selling to the military since world war ii um and yeah we sell to every branch we have special government um stock numbers for a mm -hmm. lot of our kits um you know i know some of the places they end up i probably will never will know other places that they end up i'm not exactly sure what i'm at liberty to say and whatnot but yeah we saw we saw a lot to military some screwdrivers might be screws a top secret screws somewhere yeah exactly exactly <laughs> so another thing that's kind of cool is one of your big supporters is actually jay leno he invited tracy the owner uh out to his garage and did a, a whole segment on chapman manufacturing um, yeah. yeah well, what? How did that come about? What was that like for business? That was wild. So that was in 2010. Mm -hmm. The previous owner, while the previous owner was still alive, he mm -hmm. Jay Leno had some machine that he was interested in for production. Mm -hmm. So he wrote Jay Leno a letter um, and we thought nothing of it. And then, I don't know, maybe a few weeks, a month later, one of the ladies comes in the office and says, some guys on the phone says he's Jay Leno. Yeah, right. <laughs> and we're like, yeah, okay. Turns out it actually was Jay Leno. Turns out he's used our tools forever. Mm -hmm. He has family in Connecticut and West Haven. Yeah, he's he's a huge in, like automotive car guy, right? Yeah, like huge. Yeah, he's got yeah. like a hundred something cars. Yeah. Um, used us forever. Grew up in the Northeast chatting. And then he's like, well, if you're ever out in California, you know, I'd love to shoot a video to support your tools as a, you know, as a fan. Oh, that's really um, cool. He just, just offered that right up that he would love to do. That's really yeah. cool. Yeah. So um, one thing led to another. We booked tickets. We went out to Burbank to his big dog garage mm -hmm. um, and we filmed the video and it cost us nothing. They released it in November of 2010, I think, mm -hmm. and on his garage website and on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's really been awesome. So many people saw it. Yeah. We got so many new people coming to the website. We had a large contingent of people that had chat insets, but mm -hmm. just assumed that we were out of business. They they saw the label on it from 1940 exactly. or whatever. I said, there's no way they're still around. Exactly. Or they just assumed that we went overseas. Mm -hmm. So they were shocked to hear that we're still here in the same still here, doing it the, the right way. Doing yeah. the same thing. Yeah. So it was it was good for getting new customers and mm -hmm. kind of reminder marketing for existing customers. Yeah, um, and, cool. and, you know, I have it on the homepage of my website. People see it. People comment on it all the time. Yeah. On a personal note, Jay was the, the nicest guy. Um, he showed us around his garage. We had a great time. We were there for hours. Yeah. Um, the, the fact that he, like, just volunteered that. Like, you know, he doesn't yeah. he doesn't need to do anything like that. Yeah. But no, and, and then also, he just his reputation, the... not just that he's famous, but he's also famously, you know, picky about his his tools and his equipment and, and loves that sort of stuff. So he's. Oh, yeah somewhat of a trusted voice to many, I think, on, on that sort of thing. If he says it's a good tool, he's not going to make it up because why would he? 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's no mon monetary gain for him. And he even called after the video, after they released the video, he called and was like, Hey, did you get any new customers? How's it going? Blah, 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 blah. That's really cool. Um, so yeah, that, that was, that was like a once in a lifetime experience. Does how people buy tools, you know, when I was a kid, I would go with my dad to the hardware store and it was the local owned hardware store and you would get tools. Yeah. Has the business changed and like, how, how do you get most of your tools out there? Is it a lot of mail order? Are you in stores? How does that all work? Sure. So um, the majority of the um, kits that we sell retail are on our website, chapmanmfg.com. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where we have the most, that's where we have our full product line. Mm -hmm. We do sell to some industrial suppliers that sell directly to huge um, companies, a lot, a lot of actually other manufacturing. So within specific industries, there's... Specific industries, especially aerospace and automotive. Mm -hmm. um, so we'll ship them, you know, a couple hundred kits or whatever mm -hmm. at a time but yeah for retail it's it's chapmanmfg.com and that's you know that's changed i mean obviously you know when we started the internet wasn't even a wasn't even a pipe dream in 1936 the internet not so much yeah there was no internet people ordering um, by telegraph or something yeah yeah exactly um so that so that's been great for us and we put a lot of effort into the website we have videos on there explaining how to use stuff about our tools we got pictures we got i put up a page of pictures for, from customers that they send mm -hmm. in of them using their tools all over the world on yeah, all that's, different I mean, that's something I guess things. since since you took over too, like the rise of social media, the you know, not just one way street, you know, back and forth with the customers. Right. You know, yeah. How they're using the media. things and yeah, every day someone's tagging me and tagging our tools in a post. And you know, it's really cool. And that's one of the really cool things about e-commerce and social media is that. Mm -hmm. Even when I started in 2013-ish, mm -hmm. you know, we didn't really know this was an e-commerce wasn't quite as big and the social media for companies is kind of in its infancy. We yeah. didn't really know where our tools ended up. Mm -hmm. You know, we shipped them, just saw the address, you know, but now we actually get to see people using them and we get to, you know, communicate with customers directly and, and see all the kinds of crazy things they work on. So that, that's yeah, and I imagine some of the really customers see each other doing these things too. And they get the idea too. And they're like, Oh, I want to try that and then get the tool. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So we've had people send us pictures or tag me in pictures on social media of them, like restoring, you know, mid-century modern furniture and, mm -hmm. and working on helicopters and um, oil rigs and um, down in mines in Mongolia and all these crazy places. So that that's really neat for us. And it's, that is very cool. I know you did a whole episode of the uh, Made in America podcast about the future of Chapman, but what's the Reader's Digest short version of that, that future vision? I would say the short version is um, nothing uh, profound. We're going to mm -hmm. be making the same tools <laughs> in the same shop with the same commitment to quality in the U.S. Mm -hmm. in Connecticut, like we've always been. We recently have come out with a lot of um, wood, uh, beautiful wood sets. Mm -hmm. You know, our tools are really, to use a new term, kind of heirloom quality. People pass down our tools through yep. their family. Um, and people are really interested in and have purchased a lot of you know, tools that, and really nice, you know, walnut, maple, mm. excuse me, cherry, different cases and things like that. So um, same tools, just beautiful presentation. Yeah. If you're um, going to hand, hand these tools down, you know, have them in a nice box, not some plastic, whatever. Right. Yeah. right. Um, so, you know, that is a market that I'm definitely interested in expanding. 
you know, I, right now we make, uh, geez, I don't know, 115 different size and shape bits. Mm -hmm. um, we will be adding some um, okay. in the future. Um, but I think as of right now, you know, we've got that pretty covered. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, you can, ex customers can expect to see more variation in different styles of kits, uh, plastic kits, wood kits, different colors, all of that's been very popular. So we're definitely going to continue doing that. Um, and then, you know, I mean, if some people use our tools at work, they don't want a wood kit. So we're always mm -hmm. still going to have the plastic ones, you know, that you can, you'll you always can have drop a and bolt, kick yeah. and whatever, and need something durable. So, you know, it, we're going to be coming out with new stuff, but we're going to retain the regular line as well. Joel, thank you so much for speaking with us today. It sounds like Chapman Manufacturing is going to be around for a long time. Yeah, well, that's the plan. <laughs> Otherwise, I'll be out of a job. So <laughs> <laughs> all right, I appreciate care. it. Thanks a lot. We'd like to thank our guests, Lori Fazio from RJ Julia and Joel Camasar from Chapman Manufacturing. We'd like to thank our sponsors at Gateway Community College and Housatonic Community College. Learn more at gatewayct.edu and housatonic.edu. The Municipal Voice is a co-production by CCM and WNHH 103.5 FM. Kevin Maloney is our executive producer. Christopher Gilson is our producer. Harry draws on the boards, and I'm Matt Ford, your host. Be sure to check out our Facebook page and give us a like, and watch out for our CCM chat series on our YouTube page.